Welcome to the 7 Days to Amazing podcast, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week. Now your host, Sharon Haver of FocusOnStyle.com. Hello, Sheepsters. I am Sharon Haver, and today you are about to be amazed. I have a very, very special guest on today's episode of Seven Days to Amazing. Dr. Valerie Young of ImpostorSyndrome.com is an inter- internationally known expert on imposter syndrome. She is the author of the award-winning book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. Valerie is also a thought leader in the field of outside-the-job-box career advising and believes that if you want to stop feeling like an imposter, you have to stop thinking like an imposter. As a former manager at a Fortune 200 company herself, Valerie has shared her highly relatable and practical advice to executives, managers, and professionals in the U.S., Canada, and Europe at dozens of major corporations, law firms, and over 80 higher learning institutions, including repeat engagements at Harvard, Stanford, MIT, Princeton, and the University of Pennsylvania. Not too shabby. Valerie's sharp whip and humor and insight has made her a popular speaker to over 80,000 people for such highly diverse organizations, ranging from the Society of Women Engineers to Romance Writers of America. Her work has been cited around the world in dozens of popular and business magazines such as The Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, Inc., Glamour, More Magazine, and O Magazine. That's O first. Valerie earned her doctoral degree from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, where her research focused on understanding and eliminating the psychological barriers preventing women from embracing their full potential in school and in the workplace. Additionally, Valerie is the founder of ChangingCourse.com, where she shows career change speakers how they can create a living doing what they love. Now, in its 21st year, her Changing Course newsletter is read by over 23,000 people worldwide. So I know so many otherwise smart, savvy, and successful people like myself sometimes, who secretly think that they are not as amazing as other folks think they are and feel like a fraud at times. If you've ever second-guessed your assets or suffer from any form of self-doubt, today, Valerie will share how you can start feeling, stop feeling like an imposter and kick those nasty feelings to the curb. So I want to welcome Dr. Valerie Young. I am so thrilled to have you here with us today on 7 Days to Amazing. I am honored that you asked me, Sharon. Thank you. So in full disclosure, Valerie and I met at, um, I don't know, what do you want to call it, Valerie? A speaking organization, speaker training. It's kind of a yeah. high-level like boot program. camp. Yeah, yeah. like a, a, a year-long boot camp, right? Yes. So, <laughs> and um, and I, I've always been impressed with, with the way Valerie, first of all, she's a very, very well-known keynote speaker of, across the country. And I've just always been impressed with the way you have this like very light kind of wit to teach to 
to t- teaching people and talking to people about something that I know so many people live with in secret. And that's kind of what imposter syndrome is. So, you know, it might sound a little like ominous or clinical to some, but if you want to just kind of explain what imposter syndrome is to people and, and maybe, you know, some people never thought about it, realize that they kind of secretly have that own kind of self-doubt within themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for that um, great introduction, Sharon. Yeah, it, it's very, very common. You know, actually, the first time I heard about this thing called the imposter phenomenon, as it's, you know, more accurately known in the, the world of psychology, I was about, I don't know, 20... 22 years old, I was in a doctoral program at UMass Amherst, uh, the same school where my mom was working as a, a night janitor, and somebody <laughs> brought in a paper by Dr. Pauline Clance and uh, Dr. Suzanne Imes, the two psychologists who first coined the term uh, the imposter phenomenon, and started describing about how all these bright, capable, competent people felt like they were kind of in over their heads and they were going to be found out. You know, the, the, the thinking here for imposter, Sharon, is sure, I'm successful, but I can explain all that. So we, we dismiss or or diminish or just flat out, you know, ignore evidence of our abilities by saying, well, I was just lucky or, you know, right time, right place. Or if they thought your your presentation was great, you say, well, it's just because they like me or they were just being nice or somebody helped me get the job or somebody helped me with the project. So we come up with these kind of external reasons for our success and kind of always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop that we're we're going to be found out. Yeah, I, I know. And it's, it's so funny because when I was a stylist, um, particularly, I know in like in, in, fa- in modeling and in fashion and in, in entertainment, there is always this element of being the right, the right person, right place, right ter- time. But in business, in life and all sorts of other things is working for your accomplishments and, and, and really, you know, just, just making good on yourself and, and really just doing the difference to, to make yourself stand out in a crowd. And that's where I find so many people really just feel like a fraud because it, it is it, it is just based on, you know, do you think they're going to find out? Like, I didn't read that paper last night. Do you think they're going to find out that I like I ran into that meeting five minutes late and I did this? And it's just like I know for myself, too, it's like I grew up. In a, in a way where I was always self-doubting my accomplishments as a kid. And I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. But I know when I look back at it, I, I look at my resume and I'm like, whoa, like I did that stuff. That's pretty cool. You know, when people say, like, how did you, because I've been in so many different kinds of media and so many different things. And people are like, well, how did you do it? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And I realized that I suffer from it from times. And then somehow you have to put yourself forward and be able to stand strong and have have the confidence in yourself that you can live up to what other people think you are. You know, so how does someone kind of break that habit and be able to get to this point where they can stop, you know, pinching themselves that it's real and, and feeling like they're, you know, a fraud and, and being able to stand proud and tall and and confident? Sure. Well, there's actually lots of things we, we can do, but, you know, in terms of chalking our success up to things like luck or timing or personality or connections, I I think it's really important to recognize, Sharon, that all of these things could play a legitimate role. No, absolutely. In all of our success. So instead of seeing them as an excuse, you might want to step back and say, okay, yeah, boy, that was a lucky break that I ran into that person at this networking event on the day that they happened to be looking for someone with my expertise. Mm -hmm. That's pretty darn lucky. But it's what you did with that that really matters. 
you know, because we all know people who, which we've also probably most of us done, is made some amazing connections and then not followed through or followed up. You know, or yeah. maybe somebody did help you get your foot in the door. Maybe you had a family member or a friend who helped put in a good word or got you the job. That's great. Lucky you. But, you know, once you were there, it was you. And and plus, nobody would recommend or refer someone if they didn't think they could do it because it would be a poor reflection on them. So, you know, I have, I have a little section in my book called What's Luck Got to Do, Got to Do With It. <laughs> and uh, you know, it just you, you can look in any high school yearbook from an affluent community and see all kinds of people who had amazing connections and were very privileged in many ways, and who very much failed to live up to their potential, who didn't take advantage of those things. So, I think it you know it's important to recognize that those things they're a legitimate factor. Absolutely, and um, and also once you you know once that door is open for you. you you're on the other side of the door. You got to you got to make sure it doesn't shut behind you. So you really have to, you know, prove yourself. Just like I think we all have to do every day in life is just do our best and and not, you know, and and not say, well, I, you know, or or have the other thing that I find is so interesting is I I know and it's kind of a weird relationship. When when I had one of my first jobs, it was in college. I was an intern and I was quickly promoted to marketing manager. And it was at a, of all things a plastics trade magazine. And people don't really know it, but I I knew how to like in very poor typing type polypropylene was using tons of whiteout on the page because I'm such a terrible typist. But when I went into that first job, I remember on the other side of the cubicle was this woman whose name was Lenore. We'll leave her last name open. And I remember her. I walked in and I don't know. I was in college. I must have been 18, 19 years old. And I it was supposedly like an intern job. But I heard this little whisper going, oh, she's never going to work. She's too pretty. She's never going to work. And it really stuck with me. And I worked my butt off nine million times to prove that I was not that little cute, privileged Twinkie that she thought I was. And I realized that that little moment stayed with me so long in my life of constantly trying to prove, especially when I wasn't on the fashion side and I was on the business side, that I can do it. And I, it, and that was kind of my dealing with imposter syndrome in a way of feeling like they're going to find me out. They're going to think because I'm in fashion or I'm in style that I'm that little Twinkie who can't do anything. And I've got to work 90 times harder than anyone else to prove that, you know, I have a, a well-rounded business brain. I have a, ba- I have a different background. I look at it differently. We're all our own unique, special little snowflakes. And this is just part of me. So how does, how does someone get to that point where they can have to stop proving themselves because they feel like someone's going to think they're just sort of, eh, well, depending on the situation, we, I think we probably all need to continue to to prove ourselves, and and that's especially true. I mean, you 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 know, you gave an example of, you know, she thinking, you know, well, she's too attractive. How could she, you know, be competent at the same time? But there's also a lot of truth to the fact that a sense of belonging fosters confidence. So when we go into a field or a workplace or show up at a conference. The more people who look like us, the more confident we feel. And conversely, if there's not a lot of folks who look like us, that it, it can affect our confidence. And I say that because whenever you belong, Sharon, to a group for whom there are stereotypes about competence, that could be based on gender, could be based on race, could be based on disability, or you know, in, in part, your example, age. You mm-hmm. know, we, we all probably know what it's like to be the youngest person 
in a group and have people make assumptions about our competence. Because I think for you, she was also probably also, you know, responding to you being young. So we all know what it's like to be young, and people assume, and many of us now are experiencing the, the opposite. <laughs> We're on the other right. end of the continuum. <laughs> you know, Which is what's pretty funny scary about that. in a group of millennials, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I was at Facebook, I said, you know, how many of you have ever felt like you're the oldest person in the group and people are judging you? And the 30-year-olds raised their hand, you know, which kind of... <laughs> you know, cracked me up. But there is the reality that sometimes, you know, whether you like that role or you chose that role, sadly, you know, you have to kind of represent your entire group, you know, and kind of prove that you deserve to be there and that, you know, you're – or you can reject that and go, you know what, I'm I'm just going to do the best job I can, you know, knowing people might make assumptions about my competence. I mean, if you think about it, if Mitt Romney had won the presidency, what, eight years back – you know, every Mormon on the planet would have been holding their breath and thinking, <laughs> oh, God, don't screw up, don't screw up, you know, because you represent our entire group. Same thing if Clinton had won. Everyone would have, all the women, like, please don't screw up because you, cause yeah. they won't let another one of us in, you know. So I think I say that because I think it is important to put imposter feelings into a social context. You know, we know people who are living or working in another country or immigrants or first generation to go to college or first generation to become a professional. There's lots of groups who are more susceptible. Uh, I think one, you know, I think highly specific to to the whole style uh, industry is whenever you're in a creative field, you're more susceptible Mm -hmm. because you're only as good as your last performance, whether that's as an actor or an artist or a musician or or a designer, and you're being judged by people whose job title is professional critic. Right. And and it's also with that, it's like, what happens if you're, you know, what happens if that's the day you're having the creative block? It's just, you know, ta-ta, cheerio, see you next time. (laughs) Exactly. And it's all very subjective, too. You know, I mean, one person could love your performance and another person hates it. Well, that's actually an interesting thing. Let's talk about things being subjective because I know so many times, I know especially when, like, when, I was in a sty- when I was a stylist on a photo shoot, like there would be like people would be, you would look at it from the outside in and go, they are so mean. You know, it's like I remember working with this one photographer and he had this psychotic thing about black sneakers. Like if anybody wore black sneakers, he would just go completely off the rails because he had an ex-wife who wore black sneakers. And everyone would be sitting there going, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if he likes me. I don't know if it's this. And then you find out it's just like this jerk has this like obsession with black sneakers. So when it is something who's at, what, in a situation where it is so subjective, how can somebody realize that it's, you know, what my opinion is no different than your opinion. They're just opinions, you know, and it's like, how do you get past that to be able to stand up to yourself and, and just have the confidence to know, hey, it's just an opinion. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm still great. I still know what I'm doing. Yeah, I think the more that you can say exactly those words to yourself, you know, it's just an opinion. I I have a right. <laughs> I'm entitled to my opinion as much as uh, the next person is. See, the the thing about people who don't feel like an imposter is they're no more intelligent or capable or talented or creative than the rest of us. The only difference between them and us is they think different thoughts, which is actually uh, a really good news because it means we can learn how to think like a non-imposter. So how would you do that? How would you well, think like a non-imposter? Uh, yeah, I'll give you an example. There was a woman who uh, she said, you know, I feel like 
an imposter because everyone else on the executive team is brilliantly articulate and I'm not. And I knew what I was supposed to say. I was supposed to say, oh, I'm sure you're brilliantly articulate. But that's not what I said. I said, well, maybe you're not. You know, maybe not. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know her that well. Maybe you're not. But it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not brilliantly articulate. And, you know, I'm good at like two things. And then I'm, I'm okay at a bunch of other stuff. And then I suck at most things. But when you feel like an imposter, you assume you're supposed to be brilliant at everything. Instead of giving yourself credit for the things she was brilliant at, she was a great leader. So how how do you get past this? I mean, how if you have to give people like a couple of tips, like say two, three tips, on how you can, A, identify it with yourself and and get past it that way. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're sucky. I, I know, but before we get into this, this is something I know when I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs and I know and also a lot of like Facebook groups and stuff, the, the imposter syndrome kind of bites up in a different way. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes when you were talking about age and millennials is – I find sometimes I'm in a group and there'll be someone who's like really young and she's starting out in the industry and I'll be coming in there and saying, oh, thank you. That's great. You know, like, yeah, and she'll ask the question, I'll answer it. And then she won't, you know, I'm really big on acknowledgement. Like if somebody goes out of their way to help you, whether or not you take the advice or not, you know, just say thank you and acknowledge them or hit the like button. And I'll see that they kind of like squirm back and they're like retreating and it's just, and then they're kind of weird. And then I realize. It's not that they're being mean or don't appreciate it or not acknowledging. It's actually their imposter syndrome. It's their way of just not, you know, not feeling their their self-worth in that group. So I I don't know. Do you see a lot of that happening more also in, in like, interactions on Facebook and in networking and in organizations? And, you know, how how does someone, especially as a business owner with women who are changing careers, who are now stepping forward in a, a their own business, being an entrepreneur or speaker or, you know, suddenly being online where the cameras are on you, you know, everyone sees you online. It's, you no longer can be hiding. So I I know I'm kind of rambling on a bunch of questions here, but how can someone in that situation, like what are the top things they can do to sort of stand up in that group and not feel, you know, cruddy about themselves and retreat? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I what where I often see that is when giving someone feedback that could genuinely help them. And I have a similar example, though she wasn't millennial. Somebody who reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, it was kind of a template, you know, that she sent to a lot of people, which I'm not a big fan of. But yeah. uh, tr- trying to promote her her publicist business and her website. I, I haven't seen a, a worse website in a long time. It was, <laughs> it was it was truly horrendous. So I I wrote and I said, you know, I just hope you take this in the spirit it's intended and, you know, gave her some – and I really put it – I know how women respond to criticism, so I really tried to soften it and, you know, and oh, my God, she was very upset. She was, She's award-winning, you know, web designer. She designed it herself. I mean, it was – horrible site. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of really horrible. Sites. Actually, that's a funny thing cuz we, we can go I know 
you know, for me, it's style. It's the aesthetic of seeing things, of presenting yourself in a way you want to be perceived, feeling confident about yourself. And it extends to, you know, how you show up in a meeting, how you show up on a stage, how you show how you show up in life, how you show up on Facebook, how your website shows up. And there are a lot of crappy websites out there, man. I mean, you look at these things and you see these people and they're like, well, I am the best in my field and I learned how to do this fabulous elevator pitch and come to my site and you're like oh my god it's like 1989 html code in these horrible colors and you look like you're still wearing your 1982 yearbook photo outfit and like how how can you have the bravado to say you're you know you're so great when it's like so yeah i mean at least at least fix the typos i I at least want her to fix the typos but but that's a good you know the the example really is it's about people who don't feel like imposters they seek out feedback and and mm -hmm. and a matter of fact i said to her i said i pay tens of thousands of dollars to get good feedback i don't want to pay somebody to mentor or coach me who's going to say you're great valerie you know good job I want somebody who's going to say, uh, you know, that that wasn't great. You need to work on that or that sucked. And I don't take that personally. And yeah. people who feel like imposters, especially women, if someone says to you that report was inadequate, you know, what we hear is I'm inadequate. You know, we let it mean more about who we are as a person. So as we – I refer to it as, as reframing, Sharon. I know you're looking for, you know, very mm-hmm. concrete tips people can do. Start to become aware of what's the conversation in your head. In other words, if you were going to fill in the blank, if I was really competent, capable, intelligent, talented, I'd never, or I'd always, or I should, because we have these crazy expectations. You know, I'd always know the answer. I'd never get it wrong. I'd, I'd never have an off day. You know, I'd do everything perfectly. I wouldn't need any help. All these, you know, nutty things that mm-hmm. we think we should do. So when you have a situation and you you become aware of what's you know what's that thought running through your head to consciously stop and say okay how would a non-imposter reframe that exact same thing let, let me give you an example this woman was asked to make a presentation at the last minute by her company she knocked it out of the park everyone said it was fabulous but she didn't believe that cuz she feels like an imposter so her response was oh man that was just a bunch of bs that I threw together at the last minute. And I said, no, the reframe here is, wow, how good am I that I can pull together information at the 11th hour that other people genuinely find useful? That is so genius. We're going to make that a tweetable. (laughs) That is a great quote. That is, are you you listening, everyone? That is like such... (laughs) A brilliant reframe. That is like taking, you know, 40, 50 years of your mother, like, going, you can't do that, and putting it, that is kicking it to the curb. You know, that is brilliant. Well, and here's the thing. Let's let's say she hadn't done a great job, you know. Um, Again, you can be disappointed. People who don't feel like imposters, they don't like to fail. They don't like to make a mistake. They don't like to get criticism. They don't love it, but they don't feel shame when any of those things happen. And people who feel like imposters, we experience shame. So how can you, you know, again, start acting like a non-imposter? So when somebody comes up and says, you know, wow, you did a great job, our tendency is to explain why we don't deserve that compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, let me do some true confessions and, oh, did you see the typo? Or <laughs> did you notice I lost my train of thought? Let me explain to you why I don't deserve that. 
as opposed to saying, number one, thank you, but number two, wouldn't it be great to get to a place where you say, thank you so much, what's one thing I could have done even better? Because non-imposters seek out opportunities to get better because they don't expect themselves to ever be finished or done or perfect. Hmm. They're a work in progress. And, how and so if they you... fail, they can be, you can be deeply disappointed. You can have, you know, be disappointed for days. You can be crushed for days. It's okay. But then, you know, you got to shake it off after a couple, a couple of days and go, okay, what did I learn? And what am I going to do differently next time so this doesn't happen again? Yeah, because I think what a lot of people, I mean, imposters and just, I think just people who self-doubt themselves and, or even people who just hold themselves in a little too high esteem, which I guess sometimes it's just, you know, it's just kind of a pretty framing for being an, an, an imposter is we all make mistakes. We all have cruddy days. We all don't do our best all the time. And it's if somebody is critiquing you, it's learn from that, learn how other people are perceiving you, learn what your work is showing up as and, and take that as a stepping stone to be better next time. And maybe you won't be better next time. Maybe it'll take a hundred times. But I think it's just being able to, to stand strong and know that when people, not everyone is perfect every day. And, and, you know, I know also online, so many women, particularly more than men, create this very perfect existence of themselves. And it, I mean, isn't that exhausting? You know, so when you see people who put this very fake, beautiful world to themselves, is that actually sort of a reverse way of your own imposter syndrome? Like you're trying to present yourself as someone who you're not because you're afraid to be who you are? I don't know. You know, I think that's a complicated question. You know, I think <laughs> for a lot of people in business, you know, it's about not necessarily, you know, you, you're trying to present a particular um, image of yourself, as, as a, whether it's a personality or a brand or, you know, uh, so you're not always going to share nor should you necessarily yeah. share all of your, you know, trials and, and, and tribulations. Um, but at the same time, I think you're absolutely right, Sharon, because of social media, it's so easy to compare ourselves um, and just assume other people aren't having, you know, let's say financial ups and downs mm-hmm. or, or bad days. Or, you know, if they're always making it sound like everything is incredible, you know, then something's probably wrong because <laughs> it's not. It's not, and not not everyone doesn't look so gorgeous every day either, you know, <laughs> not unless they have a glam squad following them around, and who wants that life? Um, so we have a couple of minutes left, so we, we, we spoke about reframing, which I think is just genius. Do you th- is there any other little subtle tips that you'd like to share on how, how the audience can make their life more amazing this week and kind of maybe how they can recognize imposter syndrome in, them, in themselves if they never even thought about it? Um, yeah, I think the big one is, uh, you know, often I'll, I'll say to my audience is, how many of you would love to feel confident 24-7? And, of course, Yay! everyone raises their hand. And, and my response is, is good luck with that because <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not how it works. So, you know, if, if we can – feelings are the last to change. You know, I used to give people ten things they could do, and, and at the end of a talk, you know, now and then somebody would come up to the mic and say, this is great, but is there anything else we can do? <laughs> and I would always say, of the ten things I just gave you, what have you tried? Well, nothing, but is there anything else we can do? And it took me decades to realize, Sharon, what they wanted was to walk in the door feeling like an imposter, struggling with confidence, and walk out the door not feeling that way. And I realized that, you know, I, I tried to explain it, but I wasn't being clear. Now I'm very clear in saying that feelings are the last to change. So, again, if you want to stop 
thinking like, I'm sorry, if you want to stop feeling like an imposter, you have to stop thinking like an imposter. So don't focus so much on how you feel. Focus on your thoughts. Start telling yourself, so let's say you've got an interview coming up, or you've got an audition coming up, or it's your first client, or wherever that you know imposter moment is going to come up, recognize that your body doesn't know the difference between fear and excitement. Sweaty palms, nervous stomach, so as you're walking up to the microphone or into the meeting, you have to say to yourself, I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, you don't believe it, <laughs> and that's okay. As long as you keep doing the thing that you think you can't do and you're scared to do. Because the more you, you do it and the more you tell yourself you're excited and you act like a, a confident person, over time you will start feeling that way. The feelings will catch up. So it's thoughts, behaviors, then feelings. So basically you project yourself in a way as being perceived as the person you want to be perceived as. Yeah, but but with with the thoughts behind it, to, to say yeah. to yourself, I'm entitled to make a mistake, I'm entitled to be wrong, I'm entitled to have an off day, I'm entitled to not know all the answers. So I want people, for example, if you don't know something, that's fine. I want you to not know with confidence. I want you to go, excuse me, I, I'm confused about what you're saying. Could you could you say that another way? Or I wasn't yeah. clear. And you that know, is that person feels entitled to not know. Yeah, and, and that and that's so hard for people to do. Also, that's really is because then you're admitting you're not perfect, and that opens up all that other Pandora's box of worms or whatever is in Pandora's box. Right, right. Which is imposter thinking. The, the, the imposters think I should know a hundred and fifty percent. And in reality, you should just be confident in knowing you know what you know. Well, you know what you know, and you're smart enough to figure out the rest. I don't know how I don't know all kinds of stuff, but with the internet, there's no excuse. You know, yeah. you can always figure it out. And the more you do anything, the better you'll get. The more you speak, the the better speaker you'll be. The more you write, the better writer you'll be. The more you design clothes, the better clothing designer you'll be. Just you know, join join the mere mortals like the rest of us, <laughs> <laughs> and just allow yourself to be in a learning curve and and to keep getting better. So there's another thing you can do on the internet. You can go to impostorsyndrome.com. Hear that, folks? Impostorsyndrome.com, and you will learn more about Valerie and see all the. I mean, this is just really tipping on the iceberg. I, I wish we, I wish we could do an hour on this, and we could get a little like, you know, more. I don't know, more sciency, more shrinky, more into it. But I think this is just a really great way for, for people to not get afraid and not get scared and realize that, you know. Sometimes feeling cruddy is just part of the game. It's learning how to not have that hold you back and to have your head just held high. So, Valerie, do you want to just give us just a couple of little, like, going away points that you want to, you know, sum up? I think the reframing is just so genius. And it's so easy, but easier said than done. But if you just want to just one more time let everyone know what, you know, what would be your number one takeaway? I would say the goal is to not stop not trying to feel like an imposter, right? Because what everybody wants is the is the the cure, and rec when you recognize that a certain amount of self doubt is, is not only normal but healthy, it's about not never feeling like an imposter. That's not my goal. It's about having the tools and the insight and the language and the reframes to be able to talk yourself down faster. So when you have you know, when you have that imposter feeling, I want you to have an imposter moment 
or maybe a 24-hour news cycle and not an imposter life. Hmm. That's great. That's great. Okay. Um, I, I think that's a wrap. I think that's it. I it's just like, so again, people, if people want to connect with you, you want them to go to impostorsyndrome.com. And Valerie, what about your, your other, your other site? You want to tell a little yeah, about I, that yeah, in your changing, newsletter? Sure. Yep. Changingcourse.com. I've, I've been doing that for 21 years, helping people figure out how to make a living doing what you love without a job job. Isn't that great? Because, I mean, who wants a job job? You know, I know I certainly don't. I have managed to have an entire career. Since that plastics magazine, I haven't really had that many job jobs, you know. <laughs> I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, and I think doing what you love is the most – That I think for me, it's like when you do what you love, you feel confident. And if you're not doing what you love, that's when I think you start second-guessing yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, that comes from just – being old, been doing this for a long time. So right. I want to I want to thank you for being here today, and everyone else. Again, Valerie can be found at impostorsyndrome.com. And if you think you've got a little self doubt in you every once in a while, I really encourage you to to hop over to her site and learn more, and to pick up Valerie's book, and you can find all that good stuff on her site and um if you're ever at a speaking event or a meeting or some form of higher institution it's probably a good chance you will see dr valerie young on a stage telling you more so thank you for being here and that's a wrap thank you sharon you're welcome that's a wrap well not so fast don't forget to hop over to focusonstyle.com for exclusive content to help you live your most amazing life with style and success For even more great stuff that Sharon only shares by email, subscribe to her in the know list at www.focusonstyle.com slash insiders. See you next time. 